Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 7th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. stock markets dropped on Tuesday after Donald Trump announced on Twitter that he had instructed Republicans to stop negotiating on another stimulus package. This, as economists estimate that there may be hidden joblessness we can't yet see in the data. Plus, why Macy's is set to buy a stake in a fintech from Sweden where all the best tech startups come from. I'm Brendan Greeley. I'm in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. stock markets closed down for the day after a surprise, but is anybody really surprised that Donald Trump opened up Twitter and told Republicans to stop negotiating? James Politi covers economics and trade in our Washington bureau. James, why would he do this? So it's mystifying to many, and (laughs) particularly because um, he's down in the polls in desperate need to um, change the dynamics of the race. And this could have reinforced, which is what is probably one of the strong, his strongest points heading into the vote, which is that most Americans have generally given him more credit in handling the economy than certainly than handling the coronavirus. But perhaps one theory out there is that this helps unify the party because many Republican rank and file members of Congress don't like more spending and the base uh, dislikes Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. And so doing a deal with them could be potentially controversial uh, within the base. But of course, the economic pain that will result from the lack of stimulus could be pretty overwhelming. So it's a very difficult calculation to understand. Let's talk about that pain a little bit, because we've been focusing on the politics of this, but uh, what you and I had planned to talk about was something that happened earlier in the day, which is that Jay Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, in a speech almost begged for some kind of federal fiscal stimulus from Congress and the president. Even if policy actions ultimately prove to be greater than needed, they will not go to waste. The recovery will be stronger and move faster if monetary policy and fiscal policy continue to work side by side to provide support to the economy until it is clearly out of the woods. Now, he's done this a lot. He's done this, you know, even before the recession that came out of the pandemic, he was begging Congress to be prepared to spend. But this time felt a little different. So it felt a little different this time because it was really a sort of detailed call for additional fiscal stimulus. And it essentially says that the U.S. economy is not out of the woods yet. Um, There are signs that it could be, the progress could be slowing. And without additional fiscal support, you know, you could get uh, serious damage to households, serious damage to businesses, especially small businesses, and you could prolong the pain from the recovery and lead to some sort of structural problems um, in the economy that are more traditional relics of sort of more normal recessions. James Politi, thank you. Thank you. Now, it is possible that there are more people unemployed in the U.S. and in Europe than we can see in the monthly surveys. Delphine Strauss, she's our economics correspondent in London, has talked to economists who point out that people on state-subsidized furlough schemes may not yet show up in the unemployment data. Neither do people who have dropped out of the labor force altogether or people who can't get as many hours as they would like. 
This means that the actual unemployment rate could be as high as 9 or 10% in the U.S. and the Eurozone. An economist at Allianz said that the official measures of unemployment were the tip of the iceberg and that there was evidence that as many as 30 million discouraged workers weren't showing up in global data. This isn't just a matter of measuring correctly. Paid furloughs won't last forever, and people who have stopped looking for work or who can't get enough work will spend less money. Wages will stay low, and all of this means that it will take longer for the world to recover. And a story about U.S. retail investing in Swedish tech. Macy's is set to take a stake in Klarna, a Swedish fintech. It's part of a partnership under which the U.S. department store chain will offer its customers the possibility of splitting online purchases into four interest-free payments. Klarna is Europe's highest-valued private fintech. It has negotiated a series of deals in the U.S. where it is considering a stock market listing in the next two years. Richard Milne, our Nordics correspondent, has been following the company. Richard, tell us about Klarna. What is its business model? How long has it been going? Yeah, so Klarna was set up in 2005 in Sweden by three business school friends, and they basically took the idea of invoicing, which is still very prevalent in the Nordics, that when you buy in a shop or do a service, you, instead of paying for it, then you get an invoice sent to your house. And they thought, well, why can't we apply this to online shopping? And that has the bonus that you can get the goods sent to your house. You can try on the jumper and whatever before paying for it. So that means that you can buy three jumpers and return two of them, keep one of them and just pay for that one. And from Sweden, it spread out into the Nordics, into Germany. And in the last couple of years, it's gone first for the UK and now very recently a quite aggressive push into the US. This sounds a lot like a credit line. You know, it is something that somebody with enough of a credit line and a credit card could do on their own. You buy three jumpers, you send two back. Is that what we're talking about? We're talking about a new way of extending credit to consumers. Essentially, that is it. Klarna is a buy now, pay later company. And what they're offering in a deal like this with Macy's is the ability to spread it out over four installments. Other people do that. But what Klarna has done is you know, link that to online shopping, link that to lots of different destinations and put it in a very sort of user-friendly app. And that people really like when they're doing online purchases. It's really caught the zeitgeist. And, you know, I mean, the UK, for instance, I think there's a lot of shoppers who say, why don't we clarner it? I mean, it's sort of become a verb. So any business correspondent for the last 10 years has been forced to write between 1 and 20 versions of the same story about the death of retail. We've actually seen an acceleration of that, at least in the U.S., over the last year of the pandemic. What is the appeal of a stake in Klarna for a U.S. department store like Macy's that is hemorrhaging physical customers? Macy's, like everybody else, is struggling with this sort of inexorable rise 
of online shopping and just wondering how to get on board with it. What Klarna says is it leads to a much more frictionless checkout experience. We're not getting the full details about it. I think it's a, a smallish stake. But Klarna is now Europe's most valuable private fintech. It was valued at nearly $11 billion in its latest fundraising. It's on the verge of an IPO, and it's able to sort of surf that. And this is a classic, or by now, this is a classic model of innovation. Sweden famously online, Spotify uh, developed there because it could, because everybody had the ability to stream relatively early. When Spotify was ready, they came to the U.S. for an IPO. What is the appeal for Klarna of being publicly listed in the U.S.? Yeah, so I think Spotify was really this trailblazer of a sort of multi-billion dollar startup that then decided to go to the US because that's where the investors are. That's the biggest market. And I think in both cases, you know, it's nice to crack Europe. But if you're really serious about this, you need to crack the US and therefore go for a US IPO. And I think Klarna's thesis is that I mean, they're also regulated as a bank. Their thesis is the sort of global payments industry slash retail banking industry has been done country by country. And they think that technology allows them and maybe others to do this in a much more sort of global way. And obviously the US is the proving ground for this. But, you know, in the past year, I think their customers there has risen sixfold. They've said to me that they're within one or two years of an IPO. My own feeling is it seems like they just need another couple of Macy's-like deals and they could be pulling the trigger. Richard Milne is our Nordics correspondent. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. And before we go, you can watch the vice presidential debate tonight along with some of your favorite FT columnists. Join Ed Luce, Rana Fruhart, and Peter Spiegel for real-time commentary. Just go to FT.com from 7 p.m. Eastern. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.